0: Good morning, I'm Aya Wiemala in uh, Crystal Lake, Illinois, outside uh, very close to Woodstock where Blue Lotus Temple is on the square, or just off the square, and we're reading, continuing our pilgrimage. Uh, it's a beautiful day here, be a, it'd be a great day for a pilgrimage. It's sunny and a little chilly. We're finally feeling fall. A little late for us, but uh, it, this is a month where things come and go, from warm to cool. Overnight is very common. So yesterday, we're on day 32, so we are going to be Ending our pilgrimage soon. Yesterday we read about the outcast Venerable Sunita and did a metta meditation as a reflection. And today the reading is on sleeping well in the cold forest. The reflection is called the Triple Gem, So let's do that together, and then we'll have time to sit with each other. And uh, the, the reflection, the triple gem, will be something we can do that would be beautiful, beautiful way to be introduced into meditation. So we're in India. We're getting close to the end of our trip, and the last Sight site will be where the Buddha attained Parinibbana, or his final enlightenment, and also his death. On sleeping well in the cold forest. Prince Hataka of Alavi, Alavi happened to see the Buddha sitting on a bed of leaves beside a cow path in a simsapa forest. He paid his respects to the Buddha, sat down beside him, and said, Venerable Sir, I hope the Blessed One has slept well. Yes, young man, I have slept very well and comfortably. But, Venerable Sir, the nights are cold and this is the time of snow. The ground is hard and has been trampled by the hoofs of cattle. There is but a thin layer of leaves, and the trees are almost bare. Your robes are thin, and the wind is cold. Still, the Blessed One says, Yes, young man, I have slept very well and comfortably. Lots some noise outside with a low-flying plane. Uh, that's not in the story, sorry. So still, in the, 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 the king, the prince is confused. He says, even though the, your robes are thin and the wind is cold, still you say, yes, young man, I have slept very well and comfortably. In that case, young man, let me ask you a question. Suppose a man has a house with a gabled roof, plastered inside and out, draft free, with close-fitting doors and windows. In his room he has a luxurious bed, spread with comforters and woolen blankets, beautifully embroidered. Overhead is a lovely canopy, and on the floor is a magnificent carpet. The room is well-lit, and his wife is lovingly attending to him. Would that man sleep well? Yes, venerable sir, he would sleep well. Is it possible, however, that that man would suffer from a bodily fever or a mental fever, his mind burning with passion, so that he would sleep badly? Yes, venerable sir. As for those passion born fevers which cause that man to sleep miserably, that passion has been abandoned by the Tatagata. Its root has been destroyed, and it will never again arise. Therefore, he sleeps well. Is it possible also that that man would suffer from a mental fever, his mind burning with aversion, so that he would sleep badly? Yes, venerable sir. As for those aversion born fevers which cause that man to sleep miserably, that aversion has been abandoned by the Tathagata. Its root has been destroyed, and it will never again arise. Therefore, he sleeps well. Is it possible also that that man would suffer from a mental fever, his mind burning with delusion, so that he would sleep badly? Yes, venerable sir. As for those delusion born fevers which cause that man to sleep badly, that delusion has been abandoned by the Tathagata. Its root has been destroyed, and it will never again arise. Therefore, he sleeps well. And that's from the Anguttara Nikaya 3.34. Now that's a beautiful story. It's, it speaks really uh, quite, quite clearly about those three poisons, greed, aversion, and delusion, or ignorance, and how, first of all, how they can be completely uprooted for one who's really uh, focused on that in their path. And, and the Buddha, of course, is... We, we know at this point uh, he's an awakened one. He's an enlightened being. So he has, he's very clear that we can completely pull out by the roots these poisons. And if you have a hard time sleeping, it's a good story to think about. So we can live free of that mental anguish when we have gotten rid of, pulled out by the roots, that greed, passion, that desire for things and sensual pleasures and sensual um, beauty. And when we've gotten rid of aversion, its root has been destroyed. And it will never again arise. And also delusion, just that mental, uh, mental agitation of not being able to see things clearly, to having to having our own uh, stories, our own perceptions, and not not being able to see through that veil of ourselves, to see things as they are in nature. In in truth, it's a beautiful story. Before we do the reading, some people are. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Steve says, but it's cold. I assume you're talking about the Buddha. Yeah, the 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 there is still the cold, but he's uh, he's eliminated the desire and the need for it to be otherwise. He's living. He's he's. Uh, He's on a, on a trip, or he's not in one of the places where he could stay, uh, where someone has provided a, a warmer situation for him, and he's accepting the fact and the, the reality that it's cold, and where he's choosing to stay is cold. But, but his mind is free. His mind is free of the things that often torment us more than the cold. So, he didn't he didn't live this way all the time. He had some places where he could go, and he was well provided for by the by the uh, the wealthy students he had, and some of the some of the roy what we would think of as royalty providing uh, big parks. By this time, big uh, places for the monks to stay, especially during their retreat season. So he had those options, but he had been so liberated from these things that we think of as the, the three poisons that uh, with with that freedom, the cold wasn't wasn't so bad for him at all. And the other comment uh, when we heard a plane go over some ask if I was near an airport, we're in a flight path for some uh, it was probably it was a private plane or a small plane, so it was flying low and making a lot of noise for a few seconds. So, um, yeah, most of us would suffer a lot from being out in in the cold in that situation. But I think uh, his his story. Let's see. Oh, I like Stephanie's comment. Complaining breeds discontent is an expression that she's familiar with living in in this part of the world, in the Wisconsin and in Illinois. So the more we complain, the more discontented we come we become. And and I, I know exactly what she's talking about here. <laughs> So it's a very interesting story, and this is this is that the more towards the end end of his life. But I think it's a powerful story for us, even if we we certainly don't have to go outside and sleep in the and sleep in the winter to uh, to understand the story. So he, he also, and Susan mentions, but he wasn't harming the body by, star- by starving. So, uh, you know, at the beginning of his, his journey, he, he did very extreme ascetic practices, starving himself and sleeping in totally miserable conditions. It probably made the this, this snowy uh, night in the forest not seem bad at all. Um, and he realized that the extremes, the extreme positions, weren't helpful because those, were, those extreme positions become kind of a punishment to the body and to the spirit. And that keeps us from being able to, to really meditate on anything other than the pain or the, the deprivation that we're causing ourselves. And uh, the the middle path is best. So I don't think the Buddha would tell anyone go and live in a snowy forest without any protection. That's that's not the point of the story. But uh, when you when you do live in a, a really cold climate like the winters are here, it you do you do realize that it's it's kind of a common thing for people to. Uh, to realize if we complain about it, it just makes it worse. And we become discontent, which is suffering. So, yeah, Stephanie, I agree with you. One must balance keeping safe with having a good mental attitude. So um, I think this is a powerful story and a powerful— we don't have to take it even so literally. But uh, I'm sure the Buddha wasn't freezing to death. You know, I'm sure he wasn't putting himself in that kind of danger. So, good story though. Thinking about how all the money and all the protection, all the um, all the. St- the sensual things, and I don't mean sensual in a sexual way, but just in a like pleasure and uh, comfort and uh, avoid trying to avoid any kind of uh, touch with reality in a way, or having only the best and only the most the, the, the greatest and only the most beautiful. Um, we all know from having quite a bit, just in any situation we have as Americans is pretty, it's, uh, we, we have the we typically will have the possibility of having a warm place to sleep and food to eat, but we know that no matter how wonderful our lodging is or how our scenery is, if we're tormented by something mentally, that's eating away at us, or anger, or um, desire for even more. It certainly can ruin a good night's sleep. It certainly can be the most punishing thing we can be doing to ourselves, and it can ruin our health, and it can ruin any any comfort or pleasure we get from everything that we do have. So. It's a good story. I'm glad that there are a lot of comments from people. So let's read the reflection now, the Triple Gem. We know the Triple Gem we speak of is the Buddha, the Dhamma. The Dhamma are the teachings, the the truth of things that we see, that we are practicing to see clearly. And the Sangha means the community, it has two meanings. We think of it more today as the community of uh, like-minded people, the Sangha. We have groups that are Sanghas. And uh, it also means like the community of monastics, or the bigger community of uh, monastics and lay people, men and women together. So it's our community. It's it's where we, it's where we go to feel um, we're with like-minded people. So let's sit in the meditation posture and just be uh, awake. And if it's a little colder, like in in my apartment right now, it's it's uh, very chilly because I have the patio door open and I don't have socks on. But it, that is certainly a good way to, to, to feel awake. <laughs> so a little bit cooler than normal. We're not going to be lulled, uh, lulled to sleep. But you want to feel awake. Let your spine feel upright and lifted. Even if you're on the floor, let your spine stretch out. the triple gem, the supreme speaker in all mankind, the Sakyan sage, the holy one whose task is done, gone beyond this round of rebirth, possessed of power and energy, to you, the blessed one, I go for refuge. Exempt from lust and craving, sorrow free, Law unconditioned and delectable, sweet, potent, and profoundly analytical. To this very Dhamma I go for refuge. All generosity bears great fruit. There are four pairs of persons, eight individuals who have realized the truth. To this very Sangha I go for refuge. And uh, this is the Triple Gem, and he, it might be from, the reading is from the Anguttara Nikaya 334, and there isn't a, usually, I, I'm assuming from the Anguttara Nikaya, the Triple Gem, but remember, the book we're reading from is called A Pilgrim's Companion, and it's compiled by Visaka Kawasaki. And they are Americans who now live in live in Sri Lanka, and these are the these are their stories uh, that they've compiled from many trips to India to visit the sacred sites of the Buddha's life. And we're doing a thirty five day pilgrimage through their readings and reflections for each day. So, Today was day 32. So let's sit. We don't have a lot of time, so when I finish, if you have more time, even a few more minutes, just continue sitting. With your body Relaxed and comfortable. Just be aware of the breath. Take a few deep breaths in and out. Just to help us come to this present moment, feel grounded on the earth, it's good if the body can be comfortable enough that it isn't distracting us from meditation. But if there is any kind of chronic pain or issues that are always with you, you can allow that your meditation to sometimes look at those. If something arises and you want to investigate it, and it's connected with pain or discomfort, you can do that. But it doesn't always need to be the focus of the practice. Find a position for you that works to help reduce that pain level. It may just be a discomfort level. Be aware of the body breathing. After just a few deep breaths in and out, just go back to your normal, natural breath. And we always notice if our posture is letting that spine stretch out and a little bit opening your chest, Even that natural breathing becomes a little bit deeper just because the lungs have more room to expand. Don't worry about sitting with cross legs on the floor. If that's a comfortable position for you, certainly go ahead and do it. Sit in a chair. That's perfectly okay. Walking meditation is perfectly okay. Work with your body. We're not punishing ourselves. Let your hands rest comfortably in your lap, either palms up or palms down. Uh, I think it's important to have your palms more open, whichever position you have them in, just to help you relax the rest of your body. and coming back to the breath, that breath becomes our anchor. So if the mind wanders, which it wants to do, Either we get distracted by our own stories or we get distracted by a sound or something else pulling our attention away that will always happen, but we can come back to the breath. We know that we can come back to the breath. Let go. Your senses are open other than your eyes. There's still some light behind your closed eyelids, I'm sure. But we're still hearing smelling, tasting, and we're still having that contact with the environment, with our skin. We're still having thoughts, our mind is still thinking. and just allow these things to be. Thoughts will arise. We don't want to repress those thoughts, but you can allow them to arise and then pass away on their own. This is very good training. a thought arise. See that it stays there for a while. But if we don't feed that thought with our attention, that thought will eventually pass away. Of course, it may come back again and again, but we can just keep watching it. So let go of tension, let go of problems. For, for now, we're working with understanding the mind, understanding our senses. These are the things that create our world. They're all within us. Everything is about how we respond. If all we do all day long is react, react to the stimuli. That's how we spend our lives, just reacting to outside stimuli, outside forces. We want to learn how to choose our responses if we need to respond at all. Back to the breath if you're drifting away, and be with your body. Mature awareness, focus on this body. May we all be well and content, feel safe in this world, and live in peace, in peace with ourselves and in peace with each other. And may everything we do and say and think be done not only for our own benefit but also for the benefit of all sentient beings. We can make the world more peaceful just by doing that. We affect the people around us. So maybe peace be with you, have a beautiful weekend, I'll be here Sunday, thank you. If you can continue sitting, just keep that awareness on yourself today, bye-bye. Thanks for being part of my practice.